What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. And it is Halloween week, so we are wrapping up the month of October. Been talking horror movies all month long. But today, the episode you've been waiting for, the scariest movies of the last 20 years, I'll give you my top five. I'll also give a movie review of the new movie Dune, which came out in theaters and on HBO Max over the weekend. And We're trying out the segment again, Movie Mike's Trailer Park. I'll be breaking down three trailers that came out over the last week that I'm most excited about. Wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, let me just remind you, you can get brand new episodes every single Monday. Just smash that subscribe button, smash that follow button wherever you're listening. So you get brand new episodes right there on your phone, right there on your computer. All you have to do completely free. Thanks, everybody, for joining the ride of this podcast. Without any further ado, it's Halloween week, so let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I've been waiting to do this episode all month long, and I've been talking about horror movies in different kind of capacities here, and over the last few weeks, I've been taking all my notes and making what I consider to be the scariest movies of the last 20 years. The main goal when I do this podcast is I like to show people that movies are alive and well and want to give you recommendations and things to watch that are happening now. I'm just such a fan of movies, such a fan of film. That it's important to me to show that, hey, there's great movies being made right now, especially when it comes to horror. And a lot of the times with horror movies, we get, you know, caught in the classics, which are great and all. But these are movies I wanted to showcase that if you haven't seen any of these yet, I highly recommend them. There's something about these that are so different than anything else that came before them. Some of them are odes to classic movies that came out back in the 70s and the 80s. 
And some of these are just concepts all of their own. And in some way, each of these movies have rattled me, whether it was giving me nightmares, whether it was reminding me of a scary thing that happened in my life. These are all movies that have affected me personally. And I'm telling you that they actually scared me. So that is the criteria I put into making this list. And then, of course, just considering if they're good movies or not, and I would recommend them to other people. But I think at the very core of these, these are all movies that legit scared me, which I think is important because I mentioned the hardest things about making movies are invoking emotions out of people. And the hardest emotions are, I would say, scaring people followed by making people laugh. So I love horror movies. I love talking about them. Here's my top five scariest movies of the last 20 years. And I had a really hard time finding my number five slot. I'll get into some honorable mentions later. But I kind of want to get into movies that I was considering at this number five slot. There's a movie I feel is very underrated called The Hills Have Eyes, which is a remake of the old classic. But I remember watching that movie and being like, this is the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. But not only that, it's something I feel like could actually happen. My family would travel all the time from the United States down to Mexico from the border. We would probably go a good eight to nine hours into Mexico and it always freaked me out if we ever had car issues and had to break down on the side of the road because as a kid going to Mexico there was always rumors that up in the mountains if you're driving at night those little flashing lights that you see are witches and that would always really scare me as a kid if we were ever to break down and one of those witches or something would come down that's what would happen in my head but in the hills have eyes it's basically this family traveling the country and in this remote part of basically nowhere, they think they break down, but they're actually taken down by these people who live in the hills. And they are the creepiest human beings ever. Some really sick and twisted things happen. But I almost didn't know if that movie was scary because I worried if that would actually happen to me or if it was just so disturbing and violent that almost made my slot here at number five. So I wanted to mention that one first. But what I went with instead is Paranormal Activity from 2007. And I will say the Paranormal Activity franchise is great. And that's a hill that I am prepared to die on. And I think this first one is a classic. And it really changed the landscape of what found footage horror movies are. I think the Blair Witch Project basically walked so that Paranormal Activity could run. And it's a franchise that has spawned numerous sequels. It's been parodied a bunch. But also one... And I love this is that the first one was made for only $15,000. It went on to make millions and millions at the box office. And I think as somebody who loves just the art of making a movie, I always love horror movies that are done with very minimal budget in a very minimal way because it's all about the concept. And that's where I think horror movies can succeed in ways that others can't is because they can take this just scary concept, do it in a way that doesn't cost a whole lot of money. But if you're able to get those scares out of people, that's really where it all matters and where people will go and see this in the theater, tell other people about it, which is essentially what happened with Paranormal Activity. And it's a movie that after you watch it, you will question every single noise in your home. And this movie gave me that feeling of like whenever I'm about to go to sleep at night, I am like running down the hallway to turn on the light as I go to the bedroom because I am freaked out that something will happen to me. So at number five in the scariest movies of the last 20 years, I'm going with Paranormal Activity. At number four as a movie from 2018, which I think is just one of the scariest movies of all the 2010s. And it's a movie that kind of feels like a reoccurring nightmare of my own, which I'll get into here in a bit. But the movie's called Hereditary, came out in 2018. And why I found this movie so scary is there's certain scenes in this movie that I remember watching for the first time and being shocked by. And there were scenes so jarring watching it for the very first time 
and seeing this person basically losing their mind, being a relatively normal person at the start of this movie and then completely losing it by the end of this movie. There's just something about a descent into madness that I find just so fascinating in any kind of movie. But when done in a horror movie like this, it's another one I felt just became an instant classic for me and one that I just see appear on everybody's favorite top horror movies really ever and I think with good reason. I think if you're someone like me and has ever had a reoccurring dream where something just horrible happens for no reason that you can't really determine, I kind of get that same feeling while watching this movie. It feels like literally a nightmare. And not only that, it has a great cast, some great acting, which is essential to a good horror movie to kind of take away that line from it being cheesy and believable to really taking it to the next level. So at number four, the scariest movies of the last 20 years, I'm going with Hereditary. At number three is a movie from 2013 called You're Next. And there's just something about a good home invasion movie. It's a genre that was really made popular in like the 1970s with movies like The Last House on the Left or When a Stranger Calls. And I think it's because it's something that we can all relate to and all kind of put ourselves into these movies because there's often times that we're all home alone we hear a noise outside or we go to sleep and wonder, hey, what if somebody broke into my house? How would I take that situation on? And there have been several other horror movies that have tackled this since, you know, the early ones back in the 70s. I think one that I saw commented a lot in the response to the question I put out on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook was The Strangers, which I think was probably more a commercially successful movie. Also a really great, well done movie capturing this whole kind of idea of home invasion and dealing with these just people trying to terrorize and kill you outside of your home. But I think this movie, You're Next, took it a whole nother level. But it takes the same idea. There's this family. They have a little weekend getaway for this wedding anniversary. And there's this group of killers all wearing these creepy animal masks. And basically, the family has to come together to either, you know, work through their issues, fight back against these people, or just end up dying. And what I think I found better about this movie than The Strangers is like, unlike in The Strangers, this movie had a little bit more of twists and turns, took it a bit further with the action. It almost felt like what happens in Home Alone, but with like real life consequences, if all the injuries and all the contraptions actually had real effects on the people and they were actually getting hurt. And it's also a movie I feel like gets overlooked a lot when it comes to the scariest movies. So that is all I will say about the twists and turns. But if you haven't seen this movie yet, you're into the home invasion genre, you'll see why I think this is one of the scariest. At number two, it's not only one of my favorite horror movies, but if I was making a list of my favorite just movies of all time, this would easily be on that list. And it's from 2013 called Cabin in the Woods. And it's a horror movie that I hope never gets remade because you really can't capture what this movie did in any other way. And the movie starts by making you think that you're watching just the normal average almost cliche horror movie like all the same things that you're expecting like the horny teenagers the same cast of characters like the jock the preppy guy like all those things that you normally see in like a typical 90s early 2000s horror movie that's what you think you're watching but then it takes you on this ride this mental journey that you were never expected to see and I'll leave it at that because I think this movie is like a roller coaster you really just have to experience for yourself and for me, it's rare to find a movie that's scary, but also funny and self-aware at the same time. It could almost fall on both lists like a Shaun of the Dead or like a Zombieland to where it does have humor inside of it. 
But I think because of the horror elements in this movie, because of what happens in this movie, it's able to do at the same time be a completely scary, dark and twisted movie, but also just a movie that you can have fun and watch with some friends. A movie that I love so much, I actually watched this movie on my wedding day. Like before when my groomsmen and I were hanging out getting ready, we all sat down and watched this movie and everybody loved it. So I think it's definitely a horror must. If you haven't seen this movie, throw it on this Halloween and you will enjoy it. And before I get to number one, I have a long list of honorable mentions because horror is just one of my favorite genres, if not my favorite, probably only next to superhero movies. I have a list that basically I've been working on for 10 years of just my favorite horror movies. So here are some other ones that I would recommend, given that maybe you've seen some of the ones I've talked about already, or you think maybe some of those won't be for you. Here are some others that I still consider to be great horror movies from 2014, a movie called It Follows, which is basically about this curse that gets passed on to other people after they hook up. There's a movie called Hush from 2016 also in that home invasion genre but in this one the main character is deaf and trying to fight off this home intruder with this kind of creepy ghost mask and a hoodie no bells and whistles really on that movie just basically a cool story about a woman fighting back against a home invader she goes away to write a book out in the middle of nowhere has really no business being in this house this big alone so in that way you kind of have to let yourself buy into it a little bit but it's really well done Another movie, if you're really into, I wouldn't say it's just straight ahead like horror, but kind of dark and twisted, mythical in a way, is a movie from 2009 called The Witch. And that's with two V's, not a W. But that's a movie I watched and afterward was just like, huh, first of all, what did I just watch? And second of all, why was that so entertaining? Also, in one of my favorite genres, the found footage genres, there's a movie called VHS, which was really greatly inspired by paranormal activity but what i liked about this one is it's a bunch of found footage but kind of a compilation so it's like a bunch of short films inside one big film there's no like overarching storyline it's just a lot of creepy scary events that get captured on vhs tapes so if you have kind of a short attention span and just want to see quick different horror little scenes one after another i would recommend vhs from 2012 and along those same lines There's a movie that I think maybe I'm the only one who watched and enjoyed this movie, but it's called Unfriended. And what I liked about Unfriended is it kind of captured a time in my life that I feel like only a certain amount of millennials experienced. And if you were in high school or in college in the 2010s, it was a lot different than kids now who just grow up in a world that always had the internet, grew up playing with tablets. There was kind of a moment to where the internet was still relatively new, But we used it so much and we were on Facebook and we didn't really have FaceTime completely down yet. We were just kind of in this transition period from just having iPhones in 2007 to having our entire lives on our phones. And there was a moment in time where I remember everybody kind of being on Skype and talking to friends on Skype. We don't really do that anymore. We just FaceTime people. But what Unfriended is, it's a horror movie that takes place entirely over Skype. Every scene is over a Skype call, group chats, and every kill scene happens over the internet. And this movie, after I watched it, I could not hear that Skype ringtone at all. Like, I I still associate that ringtone with this movie. So if you're into found footage movies, I will admit it's not the greatest thing you'll ever watch. But if you're into that concept, I think it's done really well. And it kind of captures 
anybody who was a teenager, early 20s at that time, it's like this little slice and moment of time that I think just gets forgotten. So from 2014, it's called Unfriended. Also, I was talking about last week, I reviewed Halloween Kills, if you missed that review. But I would get close to considering the 2018 Halloween version to be one of the best of the last 20 years. It was so well done in a way that kind of recaptured what the original 1978 version was, but had an identity of its own. And I think that's why I was so excited for Halloween Kills, because I felt like they finally got it down right. And with Halloween Kills just not feeling like a Halloween movie, basically just being a slasher film on steroids, I kind of took that one off my list a little bit, pulled it down just a bit. But there's some other great ones like It from 2017, which I think a lot of people have seen. You get what you kind of go into with an It movie. More over the top, kind of fantasy horror in a way. You also have Get Out from 2017. Midsummer from 2019, which is a movie I always recommend to people. It's not as full on horror as some of these other movies, more so on the creepy and disturbing side. And then finally, one of the most recent movies is a movie that came out last year called The Invisible Man, which was a movie I had very zero expectations going into it. I kind of thought it was going to be a Hollow Man ripoff, but I ended up really enjoying that one too. So if you're looking to watch something relatively pretty new, I think you would enjoy that one. But finally, at number one, the scariest movie of the last 20 years from 2013, The Conjuring. If you're like me, you're a fan of like The Exorcist from back in the day. But we're also looking for a movie to kind of capture that same energy, but also done in a modern way with better visual effects, with better cinematography. I think The Conjuring did exactly that. It's also based on this true story from the early 1970s. You got these paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. They go to this family who just bought a house in Rhode Island, and they think their home is haunted. And the opening of this movie alone kind of had me on the edge of my seat for the entire movie. But what I loved about it and what it does a great job of is pacing all the scares. You get to know this family, you get to know their backstory, you get to know why they're in the house, and you get some scares in between, but it doesn't give you a whole lot right away. And I think that's what a great horror movie does, is it builds up to those scary moments, and then once they come, they come a little bit more steadily. It's like something happens, bam, there's a scare. Something else happens, bam, there's a bigger scare, and then something else happens that leads to that final showdown at the end. It never really goes for those cheap jump scares, it never really has a sense of cheesiness or unrealism. It's done in a way that even though it's just based on a true story, you almost feel like you're watching something that actually happened. So it keeps true to that traditional horror, to that traditional kind of possession genre, but this more sinister and modern feel. And there are some shots in this movie that are just beautiful, like the scenes with going underneath the bed to twisting upside down. There's just so many cool visual effects and visual aspects that just your eyes alone We'll get a treat from this. It's also spawned off its own trilogies, spinoff movies, origin movies with the Annabelle movies. There's just a lot to dive into if you end up really enjoying the Conjuring franchise. And I think why I found this movie so scary is because the element of seeing demons or feeling something when you're asleep is something that I relate to personally. I think for a couple years, maybe three years of my life, I suffered from something that I later diagnosed to be sleep paralysis. And I would go to sleep and then kind of woke myself up as I felt something like on my chest getting heavier and heavier. And that's kind of how it started. But that escalated into a feeling of 
I felt like something was pulling the covers off of me and I would feel it like tug in my feet, pull the covers down to where like they were legit off of me and I would pull them back up and it would happen again. They would get pulled down. And then as I would keep continuing to put them over my body, I felt them getting tighter and tighter, almost if someone was like putting both hands around me and pressing down on my mattress to the feeling where I couldn't move. And it led to me not being able to sleep great. And later I found out, yes, this is something that people call sleep paralysis. And the worst it ever got was one time I remember sleeping and it had kind of chilled out for a while, but I had that feeling again of that pressure on me, pulling the covers, pulling them further, pulling them down tighter. But to the point to where it got so bad that I could almost see like myself out of my body And I felt almost something in the room, this kind of presence. And I remember physically turning my head to the right. And I was living with my brother at the time. And I like tried to open my mouth to scream, my mouth faced towards the door, my head faced to the door, because I could, that's the only part of my body that I could move. And I went to scream, to yell out for help. And no sound came out of my mouth. And luckily, after that, it kind of chilled out. And I think almost that's what kind of led to my whole health journey. I realized that I just was just so unhealthy in my life to the point to where I wasn't sleeping great. I think after I changed my lifestyle completely, if you're not aware of my story, I ended up losing over 100 pounds. I've been able to keep that off. And that was greatly due to changing what I ate, my overall just lifestyle. And after I changed that in my life, my sleep got better. And I've no longer had issues with the sleep paralysis, but... When I watched The Conjuring and those images of those demons, you know, messing with them in their bed, pulling their feet, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I experienced. And it freaked me out so bad. And those scenes are still hard for me to watch. And aside from that, I remember the moments of just seeing the demons for the first time in this movie and being visually scared because they're very creepy looking. So without a doubt, my favorite horror movie of the last 20 years, Because it literally rattled me. It literally scared me to the point of like, I don't even know if I can finish watching this movie, but I'm good now. I've been able to watch it multiple times since. So there's my scary story. Real life though, (laughs) none of that is made up. Sometimes you just watch a movie and it rattles you to the core. And that is The Conjuring. That is my list of the scariest movies of the last 20 years. A lot there to dive into. If you haven't seen some of those, hey, this weekend, Halloween, Throw one of them on. Let me know what you watch. Send me a tweet. Or you can always email me, moviemikeD at gmail.com. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into a spoiler-free movie review. Talking about Dune, which came out over the weekend in theaters and on HBO Max. You had the ability to choose how you wanted to watch this movie And you probably had two different experiences, I would say, depending on what you chose. So I'll get into that. But if you haven't seen the trailer for this movie yet, here's just a little bit of that. We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts. So let's talk about Dune. It's a movie, well, it's a remake, first of all, but the first movie came out in 1984, but it's based on a book that came out in 1965, the sci-fi novel. So I had a lot of issues with this movie going into it. And I'll say at the beginning of this, sci-fi epics really aren't my thing. Aside from Star Wars, I really have to be in the mode of wanting to watch a sci-fi epic because they're very big. There's a lot you have to follow along to, and what I found in this one, not a whole lot of action. But I felt this movie had a lot of hype around it, which was interesting to me because of all the movies I've heard of people wanting remakes to, readaptations to, I never really heard about people calling for a Dune remake. A movie that really didn't do so well when it first came out, but a movie I've kind of found in some research I did that The novel had a lot of similarities to when Star Wars came out. And a lot of people say that, well, George Lucas borrowed a lot of stuff from the book and turned it into its own sci-fi epic. So I think unfairly, when I first started watching this movie, I was comparing it to Star Wars. When really, it's a movie of its own. But while watching it, it kind of gave me like Rogue One vibes, just visually and the overall story. So it kind of took a little bit of me getting used to it. And what I thought I was getting into going into it was basically like Game of Thrones in the desert is kind of how I described it from the trailer. But as I watched this two and a half hour movie, I really got to give it credit because Dune really knew what it wanted to be. It wanted to be this bigger, larger than life sci-fi epic. And I think it did exactly that. 
just upon watching it, I realized it's not for me. It's about this gifted young man played by Timothy Chalamet. He's born to basically royalty. His dad trains him how to be a great fighter and his mom teaches him these other powers that she has. So he has to travel to this dangerous planet in this big giant universe where everybody's fighting over this precious resource that you find out is spices, which I don't know why that kind of took me away a little bit. I'm like, really, this whole movie is about spices, but there's this whole meaning behind the spices. So I felt that Dune really just played into knowing exactly what it wanted to be and exactly the story it wanted to tell. So I got to respect them for that. And visually, this movie was amazing. And what I realized is it was really played to the big screen. A lot of people I saw who watched it over the weekend went to see it in IMAX. And I could see that just being an experience of its own. Watching something like this on the biggest screen possible would probably give you a different experience. It kind of reminded me of when I went to see Gravity in theaters. I felt like I had a whole different experience because of that. Because not only was I able to get the story, but I was also able to experience what space would be like on the biggest screen. And I think a lot of experiencing a movie like that is that in-theater experience. The biggest screen possible, the biggest sound possible. And for me that I watched it at home on HBO Max, that a little bit was lost on me. While I did kind of take in the big cinematography, it was maybe too big for my own TV. So I'm here relying mainly on the story, which I feel there just wasn't a whole lot of it, which was because an hour in is really when you get like the first piece of action. And the weird part is I was never really bored with this movie, but I was also never really fully engaged with what was going on, mainly because sometimes I just wasn't really aware of what was going on. I almost felt like you needed somebody to pop out on the screen and give you like little cliffhanger notes of like, okay, this is what's happening right now. This is where they're going to. This is what they're trying to do. Here's the next scene. And again, I'll compare it to Star Wars of the same thing with the first Star Wars movie. They just kind of put you into this world. They don't explain a whole lot. You're just kind of in it and then you learn as you go and you accept everything for what it is. But the other thing that Star Wars does is one, give you a lot of action leading up to all those things. But it also just does a better job of kind of explaining itself later on. And you can still follow along with the plot of the movie and you know what's going on. When I was watching Dune, I found myself lost again and again. So I think the easiest thing to say would be like, oh, it was too long. I don't really think the runtime itself took me out of this movie. It was the pacing of this movie and then feeling like at an hour in that that could have been entirely just contained, like chopped in half and got to the action a little bit more, got to the story a little bit more. I just didn't feel like any characters were really developed in that first hour. The story itself was just kind of big and out there. And it wasn't really until an hour and a half in that I was really like, okay, I'm into this a little bit. But then the movie really abruptly ends and I won't ruin the ending by any way, but it feels like once it starts getting good, end of movie. And there's no word yet on if they're doing a Dune 2, but that goes back to my feeling of, oh, they were really kind of setting out to make this big epic movie on this major scale and have it continuing on and on and on, that they were fine just leaving it at that. But I felt a little bit ripped off at that point. Not only that, but Zendaya was only in this movie for about seven minutes, which also really threw me off because she's been all over the trailer, all over the press of this movie. And she's barely in this movie. I could probably count all her lines in this movie on both of my hands. 
And while overall the movie does have a great cast, I really feel like none of them really have a chance to shine. Their characters aren't really that memorable. It's a lot of just Timothy Chalamet standing there looking out into the sand with the wind blowing in his hair. It's a lot of just close-up shots of him and then people walking to meet these people they'd never met before. So I felt overall it just lacked a lot of action, which I was looking for, and I felt this movie just wasn't really for me. But if you are really into big, epic sci-fi movies, this may be the movie for you. Visually, it kind of felt like if Kanye West were to make a movie, this is what it would look like. Like, I really enjoyed the overall color palette of this movie with the dark blacks, the grays, the tones of the sand, the weird powder blue eye effect on some of the characters I thought was cool. And the wardrobe, it kind of feels like a Yeezy line to me. I also like the scenes that took place at night. And while they were so dark, you could still see everything perfectly defined, which I haven't really seen in a movie before of it being completely dark, but still being able to make out all the characters. Like the lighting in that was great. But if I'm watching a movie and the biggest thing I can compliment is the lighting. Yeah, I probably didn't really love the movie. So I would say within that first hour, I was going to rate this movie a 1.5. By the end of it, with it winning itself back a little bit for me, with it finally gaining some traction with some action in there. But that abrupt end really kind of killed any other expectation I would have of wanting to watch a second one. I would give Dune two out of five grains of sand. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred-year-old murder mystery. 
Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I tried this segment out for the first time last week, saw some pretty good response on this, so trying it out officially now, even have some intro music, so let's see what we can do here. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. So what we do on this segment is I break down some of the newest trailers that came out over the last week, some of the things I'm most excited to see, some of the things I can't believe that they're being made. So let's get into what came out this week. First up is one I'm probably the most excited about. And I know this show was way before my time, but I don't think that matters. I Love Lucy had a significant impact on my childhood because growing up, we didn't have a whole lot. We didn't have cable. We didn't have satellite. We had just the antenna and the TV and all the channels you could pick up from that. And I remember during the summer, I would sit there probably from when I woke up in the morning or sometimes late afternoon and just watch anything. And I remember I Love Lucy. There was always like a block of it that would come on some random channel towards the end of <laughs> the channels that we could get on that thing. And I would sit there and watch hours of I Love Lucy every single day. And I've probably seen, of course, all the classic episodes. I probably fell off in the later years to where they moved away, were in a different house. I think at one point it was just Lucy and Ethel. But I think I Love Lucy is one of the most iconic comedies of all time. Like just straight up comedic elements and anything that came out during that time. Like it was a huge hit. And not only that, it's a show that I could watch with my parents who English isn't their first language. They primarily still speak Spanish. But when you're watching I Love Lucy, that really doesn't matter because all of the comedy, some of it is slapstick. Some of it is just like very physical. Lucille Ball's just facial expressions are funny enough that even if you don't understand exactly what's going on, exactly what is being said, it is a funny show. So I am excited for this new movie coming out on Amazon, starring Nicole Kidman, comes out in theaters on December 10th and on Amazon on December 21st. Here's just a little bit of the Being the Ricardos trailer. I work side by side with my husband, who is genuinely impressed by me. And all I have to do to keep it is kill for 36 weeks in a row. Okay, let's go. And then do it again the next year. It's a pretty quick little teaser. You don't even get to see a whole lot of Nicole Kidman in that, surprisingly. But you have Javier Bardem, also who plays Desi Arnaz. And this movie has been in work since 2015. So I'm excited for this one to finally come out, finally see the light of day. And I did see a little bit of controversy surrounding the casting of Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. And some people were saying that Deborah Messing should have been cast as Lucille Ball because she looks a lot more like her. And what I have to say about that, I don't think when you make a biopic like this, that the idea is to find somebody who resembles them the most. I think at the core of this, what you want is somebody who has the acting ability to capture the person they are trying to portray. It doesn't really matter exactly what they look like to me anyway. Like when I go back and watch movies like I Walk the Line, I don't think Joaquin Phoenix looks like Johnny Cash or Reese Witherspoon looks like June Carter Cash, but I think they were the best actors to play those parts. And while Deborah Messing is a great actor in her own right, I don't think just because she looks the most like her, she deserves the role. Nicole Kidman has really proven herself again and again, not only in movies, but recently in TV shows. 
that she has the ability to take roles to a whole entirely different level. She has that range. And through costumes and makeup, you can really make her look like Lucille Ball. So I think she is the perfect choice for this. And that's why I'm excited to see this movie. Up next in the trailer park is a movie called Ambulance starring Jake Gyllenhaal, who I just watched in The Guilty. And the thing I love about this trailer is that it literally shows the entire movie in the trailer. So here's just a little bit of that. Let's go, D. You are all going to have the greatest story to tell at dinner tonight. Get out! Lock everything down. Nothing gets out. So that movie comes out on February 19th. It's directed by Michael Bay, and it really looks like a Michael Bay movie. Big explosions, big action. And sometimes you just need a movie like this. You just need a kind of... By the book, you know exactly what's going to happen in the movie, but if it's done the right way, it's a great popcorn movie. It's just funny to me when a trailer literally shows the entire movie. If you go watch this trailer for yourself, you know exactly what happens. It's these two guys make this plot to rob a bank. They get to the bank, holding people hostage in there, and then an officer comes in. They let him in. He gets shot. They throw him in an ambulance to escape trying to keep him alive. They have an actual paramedic in there with them. There's probably this whole moral dilemma on do they let the cop live? They weren't supposed to shoot him to begin with. And then you have the paramedic in there probably trying to escape and save her own life and get this, like all these things you can see from the trailer. So it may sound like I've already seen this movie and am ruining it for you, but that's exactly what the trailer is. So if you want to save yourself the money or you want to see this movie now, just go check out the trailer. And then finally, in the trailer park, they released the international trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. This comes out on November 18th. And here's just a little bit of that new trailer. What exactly is happening here? We need to finish what our grandfather started. Hey, buddy. So this movie was already supposed to be out. And now we're less than a month away from it. But for the first time in this trailer, I see some callbacks to the original 1984 movie. There's a part where Paul Rudd's character is being swarmed by a flock of these miniature Stay Puff Marshmallow Men. And then there's one scene where he's being chased by one of the terror dogs from the original. So I kind of like that they're just bringing in elements from the original Ghostbusters into this. But it kind of feels like it's going to be its own movie on its own. Like not focused so heavily on the backstory or anything that came from that movie, aside from the fact that it's the grandkids kind of taking it on now. So it's Paul Rudd playing a teacher who is helping these kids try to save the world. So I think that one will be interesting. Comes out on November 18th. So that's the episode for this week. But before I hop out of here, every single week, I shout out to one of you who sends me a tweet on Instagram, an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com, or a tweet at MikeDistro. Just as a way to thank you guys for listening and know that I do check all those emails. I do check all those messages. I love it when you interact with the podcast. I honestly think that's what makes this the most fun to do. So I actually have a DM from Paula on Instagram who is a fan of the podcast and would like me to share some funny, scary movies to watch on Halloween. I was just talking about Ghostbusters. I think that's a great one. One of my favorites, though, is Idle Hands from 1999. It's a movie I still randomly quote. Has that kind of teen slasher vibe, except it's a hand killing everybody. So kind of a stoner horror comedy. 
But of course, there's Shaun of the Dead, the OG scary movie, the first one, and then also Zombieland. I think those all kind of fall in that funny scary movie category. If you don't watch any, if you're not really looking to watch anything scary, you just kind of want something funny to have on, maybe in the background at a Halloween party, I would go with Idle Hands. So thanks again for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and if you haven't done this yet, you can leave a five-star rating, write a quick little review, because that really helps me out, kind of battling out all the other TV and movie podcasts. So I'd appreciate that. Hope you have a great Halloween this year. If you're wondering what I'm dressing up as, the answer is nothing. As much as I love horror movies, as much as I love getting into the spirit of Halloween and talking about it, I never really liked dressing up. I guess as a kid, never had money for like a cool costume. I would just go to the dollar store and get like a tube of blood and spray it like on an old white t-shirt that I no longer needed. That was kind of the extent of my Halloween costumes as a kid. And as an adult, I just never really got into it. So I won't be dressing up this year. My wife and I will be handing out some candy and I may convince her to watch a horror movie with me. But those are my Halloween plans. I hope you have a great one. Have a great rest of your week. And until next week, which we'll get off horror movies and do a whole new topic, I'll talk to you Later. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.